0: Hey everyone! If you're a fan of the show, please head over to MikeYop.com and click the subscribe button. It's the best way to support us and it's free. That's M I K E Y O P P.com. Thanks! Hi, I'm Mike Oppenheim, and you're listening to Coffin Talk, Exit Interviews with the Living, a weekly podcast that explores how our views on death affect the way we live our life. This week, I have a very special guest all the way from Scotland, United Kingdom, Isaline Jacquard. Hi, Isaline, How are you?
1: Hi, Mike. I'm good. Thanks. Thanks for having me on.
0: Awesome. And I normally ask people a quick series of questions about their age and where they grew up. And uh, what generation they're from. But I'm going to have you elaborate a little bit, because not in addition to where you grew up, can you also explain why you're in Scotland? Uh, because I think that'll be relevant uh, somewhat for our audience. So again, if you could just tell us how old you are, where you grew up, and um, uh, why you're in Scotland right now, and then also maybe what generation you think you're from.
1: <laughs> I am from Switzerland. I am 38 years old. And um, I grew up, let's say, in the 80s, uh, beginning of the 90s. So that's my generation. I don't know how I would call my generation, to be honest. And I'm in Scotland because, uh, well, it was a common decision with my partner. But basically, I first went with him to California for his research uh, on physics and we stayed there for a number of years and then we definitely wanted to come back closer to our families in Greece and Switzerland. So somehow the UK has seemed like one of the best possibilities for us and that's how we settled in Glasgow three years ago.
0: Awesome. So just for our audience, a quick recap here. We have someone from Switzerland, not to be confused with Sweden, because a lot of Americans make that uh, mistake. Uh, And then you are with a partner. I I believe you're married, um, and he is from Greece. But the two of you where I met you was in California, where he was getting his, I believe, PhD in physics. Um, And now the two of you live married in the United Kingdom, in Scotland, and you're both working there, right?
1: Yes, that's right. Exactly.
0: Cool. Wow. Well, we got all that uh, out of the way, so now we could get into the uh, very common question that we have in casual conversations with people. Um, Iseline, what do you think happens when you die?
1: Well, I was thinking of that question, and I thought you would be disappointed because I actually think there's nothing. I just think, and I don't think it's a bad thing, I just feel like we are just somehow like if everything goes as best as possible, we've sort of fall into sleep. That's how it should feel. That's how I imagine it. And then, and then nothing, all our brain connections just stop functioning. And then that's it. We sort of go back to the earth in one form or, or another. And And that's it. And maybe some plants or some trees or something will grow out of us, but that's all there is. And, and I just realized, well, I had to think a bit before you interview me that I'm actually fine with this and I'm not really like strong atheist or anything. I just, I'm open to something else being there, but as far as I can imagine, there's nothing.
0: Got it. And what you were saying, you're not a strong atheist. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, I don't mind. I actually find it interesting that different people believe different things. Uh, I find that just really fascinating, actually. <laughs> but I can't push myself to think something else. This is just how I feel it is.
0: And And were you at any point raised to be religious or were you actually religious at any point?
1: Uh I don't think I was ever very religious. I was sort of raised as a Christian. So I would say culturally, I feel like I'm a Christian and I adhere to a lot of values and I have no problem with that. And my grandmother was very much a Christian and religious person. Uh, And she would probably not be too happy that I'm not a believer at all. But but I was thinking about her at least as well when I was thinking about what I would answer to this question. And you know, like some people would say, they think they will be reunited with their loved ones. And my grandmother is actually one of the few very dear people that I've lost. And I'm like, well, I don't think I will be reunited with her at all. I don't think that for one second, but do I mind? Well, no, like, what does it mean being reunited with her? How old would she be? Like, which, like, how, how would that be? I can't imagine that for just two seconds. For me, her memory is like in me, you know, she's living, it. like it's a simplified way of saying, but like I have a very strong memory of her and she very much still impacts the way I think about life. I This is enough for me. I don't need to think that I will be reunited with her. It's just, that's just how I see it anyway.
0: That's really fascinating, actually. I've, I've never spent time thinking about this, but you're right. Like what in this fictitious example you gave, which again, some people very much believe in, um, you supposedly are reunited with someone, but, but how old would they be? Would they be? Because, you know, if I could pick what age I'm going to be eternally, I don't even know the answer to that. I'm only 39 right now. Maybe I'm going to pick 65. Maybe that's my best year. (laughs) And also what if like you wanted to be four and she wanted to be 16? Like when, when would a four-year-old and a 16-year-old want to hang out? Right? (laughs) Like, wow. Yeah. I never thought about that. Um, And actually, you kind of got into the answer in terms of with her, but I'm more curious with, like, younger people. Like, if you were talking candidly with a child and you said, honestly, I don't think anything happens. I think I might help become fertilizer, like you said, and help a a tree grow. Um, And then you say, but this isn't bad. When you say but, that's implying that the normal reaction is that is bad. So how do you explain why people think that's bad and why you don't think that's bad?
1: Mm. Yeah, that's true. I guess it implies that it's bad. I don't know why, because it doesn't have to be. It's a bit, and it shouldn't be a taboo, right? But I feel like it still is. Or maybe it's just because this is not a topic I talk a lot about people uh, with my friends, you know, about. It's just does. it's not a topic that comes up, at least in my circle or with anybody. But it. I just think in the back of my mind that there's Most people just want to think that there's something after and probably me not really saying that I don't think there's anything. I think it's a sort of respect from me that I don't want to offend anybody because, you know, if it's it's good for someone to think that there's something afterwards, like who am I to say it isn't? I don't want to push my beliefs on anyone. I don't know what's after death. So why would I just say what I think about it Like, if you hadn't asked me, this is not something we would have talked about, maybe, you know? So, and I've seen around me also with people I work with. um, I work with young people, actually. And so I work currently with a young man who is in his early 20s. And uh, he's a refugee. And he just told me at some point, like, how happy he was that he had his religion, which is Islam, and how it's helped him and also like how, you know, all of these, like the, the religious, and I'm pretty sure he's definite that there's something after death. So, okay, that's great. Like I see the positive impact it's had on him. So I, anyway, that's a mix of that. I think that's out of respect for other people that I, 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 I have to justify that. You know, this is my belief, but I don't think it's bad. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, no. it's funny because you used the word taboo, which is an excellent, excellent word for this discussion. And since you are multicultural and multinational even, I would love for you to answer a series of like roulette-like questions. If you had to compare and contrast how taboo the subject of death is between America, Scotland, uh, I'm going to throw Switzerland, obviously. And then if you do, if you spend enough time in Greece, if you could add that to it. So between those four cultures or maybe three, because I don't know how much time you spent in Greece, how, which, how would you explain how death is treated in each of those cultures?
1: I wish there was a big interesting difference between all of them, but I'm not too sure there is. I think it's very taboo in all cultures, at least in all the circles, you know, I've been in, like maybe it's just my family, but in general, I don't think, I think it's just, it's not easy to speak about death and it should be easier it should be a lot easier. It should be just a lot more of a normal thing to speak about. Maybe it's we're getting there, but I don't see a big difference, unfortunately, between what I've seen in California, Scotland, Switzerland, and even Greece. I have not seen a difference. <laughs> I think it's almost all the same, at least from my point of view. It's just my point of view.
0: Yeah, no, no, and I'm definitely interested in exactly that, your point of view, because that is what this podcast is an attempt to do, is just to collect so many different stories that we all get a little overwhelmed in a good way, like in a way that what you're saying exactly about that refugee, that this refugee is in his twenties and he's Islamic and he believes in it. And why should it hurt you or hurt your feelings or affect you if his views don't align with yours and vice versa? But also there is an answer to that. So I do want to know when would it be harmful for every single human to share your philosophy that when you die, that's it, kaput, it's done.
1: You know what? Just before that, if you don't mind, I was just thinking of a major difference that just came to my mind, if you don't mind. It's that in Switzerland, we have uh, see that I don't, I forgot how it's called. I think it's called exit. And it's a thing. It's an organization you can sign up and pay a sort of fee, I believe. And uh, it's basically legal euthanasia. So that's actually very, very different because I'm not sure there's any equivalent in the States and I don't think there is in the UK. I wish I knew, but so, and that's a huge polemic in Switzerland as well. Uh, I was just reading that I think just this year, it's a few, I think it's over a thousand people to be double-checked. Who have um, who have died actually through the help of these organizations. It's from, it's just, it's for people who there's a ser- series of like safeguarding things about it. You can't just sign up and just commit suicide through it. You have to have a certain amount of, I don't know, a terminal illness or some kind of something like that. And then they can actually help you help you die. And I know this is a huge polemic, and I wouldn't say it's a reflection of. How Swiss people think about death, but it's one of the things that exists uh, in probably few countries. So yeah.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it's certainly a reflection of the fact that the Swiss government entertained even the ability to do that and then legalize it. Because I know in we had a huge case. You would you, there's no way you would know this because it was in like the 90s. But uh, this this doctor here called Dr. Jack Kevorkian, and he was illegally euthanizing people, and then he was tried. Oh, gosh, I wish I wasn't one of those podcasters who talks about something without knowing about it. Um, someone will have to Google it. I'm not going to do it right now and waste our time. But I believe he was convicted of it, and um, and he went to jail for it. Um, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I do know he's not uh, alive anymore, but I can't remember how he passed away. But my point is, yeah, it was a huge controversy here. Do, do you know if it's controversial, that program in Switzerland, or is it not?
1: Yes, it is. I believe it is. But yes, yeah, sorry, you were asking how if I think it would be harmful for if everyone had the same belief as me, is that what your question was?
0: Well, not not if they have the same belief as you, if they had the belief, so it, it would happen to be the same. But I, I'm curious about uh, human morality, meaning like how humans ethically and morally live their life out of the way they interact with what they think happens when they die. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm curious if you think that everyone or even the majority would have the same healthy outlook you have? Because again, this goes back to that. I know this sounds nitpicky, but you said, but I'm okay with that. And I'm fascinated with that because I think, I think it is true. I think the normal assumption is that it's scary slash bad to assume what you think.
1: Yeah, but so let's say your outlook on it is that Like you think what most people would think is if they didn't have the belief of there's something after death, some kind of maybe reward or punishment, maybe they would live their life differently.
0: Yes, that's my premise.
1: Yeah, because see, I get it. But at the same point, like I don't think what I think of how I think of after death. Impact, like why is that so important? I just want to live with my values and as best as i can and just be try and be a good human being whatever is after death right because of who i want to be it has nothing to do with what's coming after this is too much unknown so why would i change you know i i just i think sometimes it's i don't get it why it is so important
0: (laughs) i love it i this is fascinating and by the way i had a a funny feeling that this podcast would turn into this sort of conversation because this is actually how I remember you years and years ago. So just for the audience's uh, benefit easily. And I met when I was teaching English as a second language in San Francisco, California. And so we were like of similar age that you're a couple years younger than me. But my point is when I say I was like her teacher, it's not one of those, like I was a professor and she was a student. It's just more that I was helping her uh, further develop her already excellent English. So and so we would have, like, these conversations in class. It was you and two other students. And I remember we had a lot of what I call metaphysical discussions. So um, I was totally excited to get you on here. And you're very philosophical. So with all that said, um, what do you – why do you have values? Like, you use the word values. I like that. Like, where did those come from? Do you remember, like, picking values? Do you remember, like, these points where you got them?
1: I don't remember. Or let And let me start by saying for the – for the audience benefit, Mike was a brilliant English teacher. Like, the most brilliant English teacher. Honestly, I had so much fun and I learned so much at these classes. I'm not just saying that, just, you know, to, it was just awesome. I just really loved your English classes. So, to the question now, Why? how did I get my values? Oh, I don't think I have an answer to that. It's just, I guess, how you're brought up and how you just make sense of things as you as you go on and on in life
0: well you're a good person like i can just say that carte blanche which is an american expression it means like it's just true you are a good person i i you were good when i knew you 10 years ago you're good now so what what compels you to be good or vice versa what stops you from being bad
1: now i remember having this conversation with you and i remember thinking that it's 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 interesting to think as people as good or bad, you know. I don't know if people are good or bad because when I was trying to think about all of this conversation beforehand, I thought, well, if I look at, you know, the young people I work with who've been very underprivileged, grew up in care, like in really chaotic circumstances, I wouldn't say they are good or bad, but definitely a lot of their actions are just, to put it (laughs) straight, not the best, (laughs) And have massive consequences but I don't see them as bad right I see them more as maybe and I'm not saying they have no responsibilities in their actions or that I don't have responsibilities in my actions but I feel like I've been lucky enough and privileged enough to have a sort of privilege and nice upbringing with consistent parents who've been able to provide you know this like basic nourishing environment and I think that accounts just for so much and it's so sad when you think of it because like the young people I work with they they will have such a hard time getting there and it's not me being condescending really not I don't want to 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 give give that across but it's just like what's how how your values develop and how I think I'm just completely probably beside the question by the way I think I just I just forgot what the exact question was. I'm sorry. No, no, you
0: answered it in the and the second question to your answer would just be So so let's let's go over what you said for the audience cuz I think it's it's neat to compartmentalize it. Basically, you think people might have actions that are good or bad, but people themselves aren't inherently good or bad. Meanwhile, the reason you make good quote-unquote decisions with your behavior is mostly owed to the fact that you had consistent nourishment and support from loving family. So I will challenge you with the following. Have you ever met someone who had consistent nourishing support from their family who made bad
1: decisions? Yes, probably. But it's just decisions. They can change their decisions. But there are def- definitely terrible decisions out there being made. So <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how how to explain that. I don't know what what makes people just... I don't know, see power as value above everything, you know? It's, it's There's a lot of terrible things. And why? And I just think when you, when you were asking, like, you know, see, I don't think there's any punishment or stuff like that after death, because I don't think there's anything after death. But to some extent, I find it believable that there's a sort of, reward or punishment for your actions during life. Although I would take this with a big pinch of salt because I think it's very random. I can do the best actions and be run over by a car tomorrow, right? So there's not really, there's not really a justice, but I think to some extent, yes, if you, if you try really hard, you might be rewarded. And if you really knowingly do harm, This might get back to you. It might or it might not, but chances are it might.
0: So do you ever get like upset, not angry, just the word upset in its most docile infant form. Do you ever get upset when you see someone getting rewarded who you don't feel is making kind decisions?
1: Yes, yes.
0: And so what do you do to stop yourself from going out of your mind over that? (laughs) How do you deal with that? Like someone getting promoted at work and things like that.
1: Mm, If it's at work, you know, if it's like in an environment where I can choose to be part of or not, I think my reaction would be to just go to the next place of work if I have a choice. I'm not the one to look for conflict or anything. But if it's in a work environment, uh, and I've had that uh, fairly recently, when I first moved to Scotland, I would just... I just leave. I don't want to take a toxic environment. So I don't think it's a very brave way to do. But so far, that's what I've done. And probably it depends on every kind of circumstances, right? In another situation, I would have fought really hard. But if I can just escape from all the negativity, I will do that. Again, I'm not saying it's the best.
0: No, no, no. It's Yeah. And what about, um, have you ever had a close friend do something that quote-unquote, offended you, meaning they made a choice that you thought wasn't acceptable or they actually did something to hurt you, either or or both?
1: Actually, I don't think so among my really good friends. I think if I have been offended a few times, I've just brought it up and talked it over. But if it's, yeah, yeah. I think otherwise I just don't become really close friends when, when I feel that there's conflict in the air.
0: This is fascinating because, um, your entire country's reputation is embodied in how you're answering these questions. And, it, and it, I am saying this very positively, no, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I'm saying this personally from a very positive place, which is that, uh, Switzerland is famously neutral and some people don't like that. I'm not going to lie, but the people who do like it, the reason they like it is that when there's conflict, you don't have to add to it. You don't have to make it worse. Um, And often when there's conflict, people are looking for support to keep the conflict going. But if the support's not there, it tends to lose its steam, its momentum. And so you're actually kind of like showing that you're saying, look, when I don't like a colleague, I just leave the job. And when I don't like what a friend's doing, I bring it up. And then if they continue to defend it or not like it, I just slowly let that friendship wither, maybe is the right word, uh, die and so, so it's interesting to me just because like, I, I do often think like how much does our culture affect how much we, how our behavior, you know? Um, but there's something I'm, I'm trying to get at and I know you will answer it. And I know I just haven't asked it right, which is um, to what extent does your own system of values matter to you? Like, do you like that you're good or that your decisions mostly are good? Does that satisfy you in any way?
1: I think I spend a lot of time on thinking about the morality of different actions and different courses of actions I could take, but does it satisfy me? Yeah. When I feel like it makes sense uh, and I do something according to a value and and my decision makes sense, then yes, it brings me satisfaction because, um, because I don't know, just because that's how it is. I feel like it's, It's consistent with who I want to be. Uh, But it's not always perfect, and that's it. Life is never going to be always perfect. So, yeah, I guess it satisfies me.
0: No, yeah, and that's a good answer. And so, because you're helping me really see something today, which is that there's a weird, like, link between your system of values and then how much you act it, and then your self-esteem and your well-being. Because I'm thinking about it and, like, you said, you said something very profound that you probably didn't think was profound because you just said it really quickly, but th- you might get rewarded for good actions during life, and you might also get punished for bad actions during life, but you also might not. And I think there's something very powerful in the belief that it's possible, but also the belief that it doesn't always happen. Like this idea that there's a, a board game with rules, but sometimes the rules don't actually matter there's something very profound to me to think about that. And then to think about what a, um, I'm I'm trying not to swear on this, but there's a phrase, a mind F is the phrase. It's like, that's really the only phrase I can come up with to explain it. That's a very like challenging thing to imagine that we're all playing a board game and a lot of the time the rules matter, but sometimes they just don't. But yeah, but there's, I don't know. That's really profound to me to think that not only I, well, first of all, I'm not supposed to talk about my own philosophy, but I think I actually do believe that, and I think my wife, who's producing this and silent right now, was literally talking about that this morning when we took our dog on a walk. And so this is kind of like profound for me, at least. But uh, do, when you, when I said it out loud and I explained it that way, does that still gel with you? Do you think that's possible?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That yeah, like we don't know the rules. What what really, how we get some good or some bad in life. So better just try to try to do good actions and just follow our hearts as much as we can <laughs> without hurting others, obviously, and then not count on much more than that because I think happiness is just in the... It's sort of in the present. But yeah, it's maybe... I think when I hear myself, I think it's too simple life philosophy. And also when I said it's just like I avoid indeed... I think I'm a good reflection of like Switzerland. I am kind of, I don't like conflict. I like to just stay off things. But I do think I stand up if I have to. It's just that I find it difficult usually to find the proper way because I get, if something matters to me or if a friend gets treated uh, unfairly or things like that, I get so heated that I go from like very calm to (laughs) very heated. And so I think that's also why I just stay off. I just keep off because usually that's not when you make the right decisions, you know. I've been very direct in the past, and that's very different from the American culture as well, and I think I've suffered from that a little bit when I was in California, that I've had one job experience that went a bit wrong, and I think, I do think it was an absolutely toxic environment, right, but I think I was sort of too direct to address it to address the the problems that were at that work environment and that that didn't work in my favor so i learned from that i think the british culture is also very much uh not too direct you know you have to really really think properly before you speak and and just frame things nicely enough and maybe that's for the best
0: this is i mean okay so we hit the end of the time that I'm allowed to allot for these, and you just got into like my favorite conversation ever, so I will withhold a million thoughts I have, um, but I do think what you said was profound, and I do think the last two answers you gave were like my favorite part of this podcast, so I love ending strong. Um, I will say that Americans think British people are less direct than Americans, and I'm not saying that's true or not, but it's funny to hear you say it, because I, from teaching, know that we are certainly not the most direct culture, and I definitely do think... Um, while I said Swiss, Switzerland has a reputation for avoiding conflict. That does not mean you are not direct, honest and forthright. So it's, it's interesting. So I do agree with everything you said. Um, I will give you one last chance if there's anything else you want to add or share, but otherwise I'm very, very thankful. I think you've uh, been a fascinating guest today. So anything you want to add?
1: (laughs) I don't need to add anything except I really enjoyed the conversation. That was really fun for me. I liked it. So thanks for uh, offering. (laughs)
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Iseline Jacquard from originally Switzerland, but now Scotland and sometimes California. Thank you for helping us put another nail in the coffin. My name is Mike Oppenheim, and this is Coffin Talk, exit interviews with the living, and we will see you soon.